welcome to the ABR podcast. My name is Dylan Gunwardner, and I'm a deputy editor at Australian Book Review. In this episode, I speak to Greg Sestero, actor, model, author, and co-star of the best worst film ever made, The Room. You shouldn't have any secrets from me. Women change their minds all the time. Oh, come on, Johnny's my best friend. Why, Lisa? Why, Lisa? Please talk to me, please! You think girls like to cheat like guys do? What makes you say that? You're lying. I never hit you. I don't know. I'm just... I'm just thinking. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Now, there are countless articles about The Room and video clips, so you can probably look it up yourself. But The Room has a huge cult following. It has screened continuously in cinemas worldwide since 2003. And at these screenings, audience members dress up as their favourite characters, shout lines from the film, and throw footballs and spoons at each other and at the screen. This level of cult fandom prompted Greg to put his recollections of making the film into his critically acclaimed memoir, The Disaster Artist, My Life Inside the Room, the greatest bad film ever made, which was co-authored with Tom Bissell. But The Disaster Artist isn't just about the making of the film. It's mostly about the film's creator, the enigmatic Tommy Wiseau, and Greg's relationship to him. It also touches on bigger things. Hollywood, the American dream, the complex nature of odd couple friendships, and how we cope with grief and trauma through artistic expression and delusion. The Disaster Artist was recently adapted into a film directed by James Franco. I spoke to Greg Sestero leading up to the film's release in Australia. Greg Sestero, welcome to the Australian Book Review Podcast. Let's start off with why you're in Australia at the moment. Yeah, four years ago I wrote a book about my experiences going to Hollywood, meeting my eccentric friend Tommy Wiseau, and ultimately making uh, what is considered the worst movie ever made. And that film, you know, while it's considered the worst film ever made, I believed had a really terrific, inspiring, insane Hollywood story behind it. And so my goal with this phenomenon was to tell that story and for it to ultimately become its own film that would be a great film um, along the lines of Sunset Boulevard and Ed Wood. And so uh, I was very fortunate that a few weeks after the book was published, I was contacted by um, James Franco, who um, was interested in adapting the book into a film. Uh, We had a great conversation and James wanted to play Tommy and his brother to play me. And he uh, directed the film Seth Rogen produced it, and it's coming out here in Australia on November 30th. And so we had a few screenings um, here in Australia, some premiere screenings, and it's just been incredible. I mean, the response to this film, people have been excited about it now for several years. Um, They're walking away just so enthralled and and laughing through the whole thing, but being moved by it. Um, So it's just been an incredible week here to to have shared this experience and this, this great film. Um, with the fans. Given that you didn't write the film itself, what was your role in producing this with James? How did you sort of help in in that process? Um, One of the great things about this whole experience was you're kind of handing off your story to people you really uh, respect and admire and trust. And so you can kind of sit back and enjoy the process rather than be really concerned about what's going to come of it. So with James playing Tommy and Seth producing it, I knew it was in really good hands. And when they hired uh, Scott Neustadter and Michael Weber to write the screenplay, I was even more excited because they've written some really uh, touching films, 500 Days of Summer, Fault in Our Stars. 
you know, I knew they would take this story and do it justice and not write some stoner comedy out of it. They really understood it. James really understood it. So I, I could just kind of be there and, and help in whatever way I could. You know, I had a lot of behind the scenes material from the making of the room. I had pictures and still had some of the outfits. These audio cassettes of Tommy recording himself from back in the day that really helped James kind of build the character of Tommy. So it was just a great experience to be able to kind of be there and watch this movie get made and just enjoy the process. And did you want the makers of the film to be as faithful as they could to the book or were you happy to give them a bit of artistic license as far as their interpretation? I was just really happy to see uh, their take on it. I knew knew the story was character-based and I knew that they understood the story and it was actually really exciting to let them kind of just make the film they wanted to make because ultimately you're you're passing it on to to someone to, to, to put their own spin on it and I think it's great. I think it's really important to get out of the way and let someone else do their thing. Did you know James Franco before this personally? And if not, why do you think he was perfect for that role? Um, I had never uh, met James uh, personally. I w- was a big fan of his work starting back uh, in 2002 when he played James Dean. But um, always uh, enjoyed him as an actor. Uh, I knew he was great to make this film because he wrote a review of it in Vice where he compared the story to a little bit to like Boogie Nights and The Master and really had a, a great grasp of what this film could be and just watching him as an actor I knew he really goes for it when he plays a part and those are the characteristics you needed to pull off someone like Tommy. You mentioned James Dean there and he seems to be a familiar thread between the three of you, you, Tommy and James Franco. The three of you are big fans of his work. Is that something you bonded over, the three of you, when you got together and were talking about producing the film? Or? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, um, you know, obviously James played James, James Dean and yeah. won a Golden Globe mm. for that part. And Tommy and I, you know, especially me, I was hugely obsessed with Dean. And so, yeah, I think it's just something that's that's in you. I think you just, there's something we're just drawn to about that era of filmmaking and James Dean's work um, and that was definitely a bonding point on this story. I was lucky enough to see the film a couple of days ago and what I was really blown away by was James Franco's performance as Tommy Wiseau. Not only physically he sort of transformed himself to look like Tommy with extensive facial prosthetics and sort of bulked himself up a little bit but he also got the the voice down really well and his mannerisms and his inflection. Now you know Tommy better than anyone else in the world it seems how did you help James Franco in coaching him to take on that that persona um I think one of the biggest things was just kind of sharing that audio cassette Mm. because that was Tommy talking to himself in a way he would never speak to you if you interviewed him for a hundred hours uh he gave you insight into who his character was how he rationalized things uh, well, I think what James did is so incredible because not only he got the voice down, but he was able to take it a step further and become Tommy in a way that I hadn't even really seen. So when I watch James' performance, it's almost like a, another Tommy, another personal experience with Tommy that I even haven't had yet. And it's just, you know, I've seen the film now six times and it's just the performance gets more and more brilliant every time I watch it. It's an impossible role to pull off. I mean, I always thought James Dean was was the toughest because, you know, you, so many people, whenever they play James Dean, they just mimic him. 
and it's just it's it's embarrassing you know it's it's not it doesn't work uh and so james pulled that off extremely well but then you take on tommy and to just to give that incredible of a performance you know i've known tommy for 20 years i can think like him i know every aspect to him for james to just to be able to give me that experience is one of the best accomplishments in, in acting that i've seen los angeles Everybody wants to be star. You have to be the best and never give up. When I get up on stage in front of people, all I can think about is what if they laugh at me? You, man, you're fearless. I want to feel that too. I don't care. I'll do it. You and me, we both have this dream. Yeah, I guess we do. <laughs> and we'll be famous. We'll show them. Watch out, here we go. To be or not to be? It's not gonna happen for you. Not in a million years. But after that? I wanna talk a bit about your 2013 memoirs and then the audiobook. What motivated you to put the story down on, on paper? So The Room really emerged in 2009 as a cult film that started screening internationally. It was covered in Entertainment Weekly, it was covered in, in Empire Magazine. So with this resurgence, I started getting a lot of questions I mean, believe it or not, this was in the era of MySpace. <laughs> and, and people wondering, like, dude, how did you get involved with this? I just saw the room, and it would just kind of kept coming up. And I thought, you know, you're in this situation. You, it's, it's not something that's going to propel you forward as an actor. you got to kind of explain yourself, like, what, what is this? Who are you? What was, what was Tommy's goal with, with this film? And so I, I, my goal with this story became that... I wanted this story to become its own great film, that I thought it had everything it took to become like the next Ed Wood or Sunset Boulevard. And so that was my goal with the book. I wanted to tell a great Hollywood story that, um, that was character-based and that could become something redeemable for myself and, and for Tommy. And so that was, uh, that was the goal. That's the reason I wrote it. Now, you mentioned at the screening that Tommy text messages you every day and he calls you. What's your relationship like nowadays? Has it changed ever since the films come out or the audiobooks come out? Um, I mean, it's changed, but not. it's still pretty much the same dynamic. We're still opposites that are still friends 20 years later. It's still strange, which if it wasn't strange, there would be something wrong. Uh, <laughs> and it just it is what it is. You can't explain it. Uh, it's just not a traditional friendship or a bromance, but it, it is. And so... You just kind of let it be, you know, let it be what it is. And you're still working with him as well. I understand that you've got a new film coming out with him called Best Friends or Best Fiends. Yeah, we, um. hadn't, we hadn't worked together in 15 years, and it really was me seeing the, a rough cut of the disaster artist that made me think that, you know, I know I, now I understand Tommy in a way that I didn't before, and he just wants to be taken seriously as an actor, and he's never gotten that chance. And the one time he tried to do it for himself, he, he made himself a Fabio leading man and then that ended up becoming a huge joke and I thought Tommy is a fascinating character if he's handled properly taken seriously in something that was shot well maybe he could be an actor um, and use his strengths to his advantage and so that was my goal with Best Friends is to try to kind of put a third act in this whole phenomenon and kind of you know, revisit it 15 years later. I know there's more, I believe there's more to us than just, you know, the making of the room. So that was my, my goal with it. Greg Sestero, thanks so much for your time. And we look forward with some trepidation to your next project with Tommy. Thank you very much. Thank you.